All right, I'm in a series of messages called Pursue Always, and uh, this is a, a brand promise of our church. It's part of the DNA of our church, and I want to dive right in because I got a lot I want to say. Uh, we are uh, working off this passage in Philippians chapter 3. The Apostle Paul, the great Apostle Paul, is writing this. Uh, verse 12, Philippians 3 says, Not that I've already obtained or have already become perfect, but I press on in order that I may lay hold of that for which also I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Brethren, I don't regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God that's in Christ Jesus. Let us, therefore, as many as are perfect, have this attitude. And if anything, you have a different attitude, God will reveal that also to you. So we've looked at this idea, one that pursue always means a recognition, I haven't arrived yet. Which means, which is a good thing. That means there's there's space for me to grow. There's things for me to know that I don't quite know now. Uh, we talked about the idea of keep pressing on, and we talked last week about the idea of move past your past. Today, I want to talk about this: always reach forward. Everybody, say that with me: always reach forward. So Paul says in verse thirteen, brethren. I don't regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, reaching forward to what lies ahead. I just want to keep reminding us that the Apostle Paul is this incredible spiritual giant, intellectual giant, uh, history maker, world-changing kind of guy, and he, he kind of got focused in on Here's one thing that I do, that I focus in on. You know, I think most studies have shown that multitasking is a myth. Uh, you can't really do two things at once. You've got to get focused. And some of us even have trouble doing one thing. But, uh, but the idea of multitasking, about having all kinds of things going on, it, it, there is a value to getting focused. And, uh, and while you and myself, well, I have lots of roles, lots of responsibilities. Uh, you know, I'm a pastor, I'm a husband, uh, I'm a dad, I'm a granddad, I'm a friend, I'm an excellent golfer. Uh, I am, uh, that's my dream, that's what I'm reaching for, so shut up. And um, so, uh, so, but, but the thing is, it's like, yes, you, we all have these things, but the, the major thought to put in place with all those things is to recognize that I am going to forget my past and I'm going to reach forward to my future. I'm going to reach forward to what lies ahead. So last week we talked about moving past your past, but today I, I want to talk about reaching forward to what lies ahead, because something lies ahead. I mean, you're going you're gonna to walk into tomorrow, next week, next month, next year, and 
I want to continue to encourage you, don't let life happen to you, but reach for what your heart desires. Reach for your vision. Don't let life happen to you. You happen to life. (laughs) And so no matter what happens in your world, I'm encouraging you to keep reaching forward. it's, It's not about living a perfect life. It's not about living in perfection, but it is about living in a direction. And that direction is forward. I'm going to keep walking forward. I'm going to keep looking forward. I'm going to keep running forward. Sometimes I'm going to keep crawling forward. Don't go back. Go forward. And whatever happens in your life, just make sure you, if, you, if you stumble, stumble forward. You know, if you mess up, mess up forward. Just keep going forward. So what I want to talk about today is, <coughs> excuse me, is this. We can, we can be reaching forward with vision. We can start reaching sideways with distractions Oh, we can reach backwards and get trapped and get stuck. Forward is the way to go. Sideways is going to get you off track. Backwards is going to get you stuck. Reach forward with vision. Proverbs 29, 18 says, Without a vision, people perish. Without a vision, people are just stuck in the rut going through the motions of life. This verse could easily say, without a vision, we're just going through the motions. Because it's easy to get in the rut of, I get up, I go to work, I come home, fix broken stuff at the house, watch TV, cut the grass, pay the bills, go to sleep, get up, and do it over and over and over again. If you don't have a vision, you can get stuck in the rut of just maintaining a life. And my encouragement to you today is to move forward with a vision, with a picture, with something you're clearly reaching forward to. I ran across this um, chapter in a great article and it was, it was about uh, President John F. Kennedy. And it said he set out on a mission to explore space. He painted a vision picture within that mission, which said, we will put a man on the moon. That vision of putting a man on the moon came out of an even bigger mission. The United States is still living out the mission of exploring space. However, the vision of putting a man on the moon has already been fulfilled. When President Kennedy painted the picture of that vision, he didn't even know how to achieve it. Instead of focusing on the how, he just talked about the what. He then turned over the task of figuring out how to other competent 
professionals. Don't you wish you could just turn over the idea of doing your push-ups to somebody else? That would be awesome. But there were some values that guided the team on developing the how. The number one value was safety for all the participants. They also had values like meeting budget, working as an integrated team, developing other applications for the new technologies that would be discovered. What an exciting thing it was when we saw the first step of a man on the moon. It was the fulfillment of the vision, but it was just one piece of the mission. And what I want to say is that there was a clear picture they were reaching toward. They discovered things that before that time had never been discovered because they were reaching forward with a vision. So your mission might be to be healthy. Your vision that you reach forward to is you want know that you want to weigh X. And that's the clear picture you're reaching toward. You won't be flawless in it. You won't be perfect in it. But you know what you're headed towards. Or your, or your vision might be, I'm going to exercise X number of times a week. I'm going to even start just going for a walk uh, a couple of times a week. But the mission would be to be healthy. The vision would be, I want that scale to say this. I want my login of exercise to be that. Your mission in 2020, which I hope is part of all of our mission, is I want to draw closer to God in 2020. So the vision could be, I'm going to read my whole Bible through this year, or I'm going to read 10 minutes every day, or 20 minutes every day, or I'm just going to go after this thing so that my vision is a clear thing I'm reaching for. If I mess up a day, it's all right, I'm forgiven, but I'm going to keep reaching forward. Maybe your mission would be to draw close to God, and you could read a couple of books on prayer and learn how to pray. A pursue always attitude is headed somewhere. It, it's reaching, it's growing, it's expanding, it's increasing, and it, it reaches forward with a vision. Can I keep reminding you that your past is behind you and your future is in front of you? And when, when you lose something to reach for, Something to hope for. Something to grow into. You've lost something that's really important to your life. You're just stuck in the rut of going through the motions. So let the dreams of the future rule your life rather than the nightmares of the past. My eyes are set on what lies ahead. Right? There's a greater day for you that lies ahead. Your future lies in front of you. You got to keep your eye on it. You got to keep reaching for it. Because in the reaching forward, you're actually becoming something greater. Everybody say, reach forward with a vision. I want to talk about reaching sideways. You can reach forward, you can reach back, you can reach sideways, and that's going to be distractions. 
we live in the age of distraction. There's no question. Studies have shown that uh, even in the work environment, people get distracted every 11 minutes. Squirrel. But it takes 25 minutes to get refocused. The math doesn't work. So you could end up distracted. And one of, one of, our, one of the greatest assets you have and one of the worst enemies is this little guy right here. This incredible. As a matter of fact, there's, there are some of us in this room that could not sit through a 35-minute message and not pick up their phone and start surfing. Like some of you right now are you're getting called out by the Holy Spirit in much love. You, I know what you're saying, Pastor. I'm just taking notes. I'm just taking notes. That's what I'm doing. Go ahead. Not only are you surfing Facebook, but you're lying in church, and that's no place to go. But come on, this, this little guy can distract you like crazy. Emails can distract you. People interrupting you can distract you. Clutter can distract you. Trying to multitask. It, we are living in an age of distraction. And I, there's no condemnation involved in this, but you got to stop and, and recognize social media can easily become a weapon of mass distraction, right? It, it just swallows up your time and you're saying, I don't have time to pray, but you spend an hour on social media. You don't read any books anymore, you just spend time on social media. So those are the, the, the distractions that are little pieces that are pulling away but I, I want to take a few moments and talk about maybe some bigger distraction issues. So, number one, you can easily get distracted by the wind and the waves of life. Distracted by the wind and waves of life. Matthew 14, 25, in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus came to the disciples walking on the sea. Come on, somebody. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, It is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. Immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, Take courage, it is I, do not be afraid. Peter said to him, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. That would not have been my response. <laughs> that, no. That would been, been the last play. I would go like, Jesus, can you fix the flipping wind and waves? Be, uh, uh, don't ask. And so, and Jesus said, come. Come on, big boy. And Peter got out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But seeing the wind... He became frightened and beginning to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. That is a good prayer. 
Immediately, Jesus stretched out his hand and took hold of him and said, you little faith, why did you doubt? Anybody grateful for the Lord of the second chance? Come on. But it's easy to get distracted by the wind and the waves. Peter steps out of the boat onto the water. He gets distracted by the circumstances that are around him. Peter wasn't so much stepping out on the water as he was stepping out on a word. Stepping out on a direction. Jesus said, come. And when you start running towards your vision, when you start moving toward your vision, it is easy to think, okay, God put this in my heart. It's going to go smooth. It is not going to go smooth. The wind and the waves will not go away. The waves are still going to come. The wind is still going to blow. And I think sometimes when we step out and, and the wind and the waves happen, we start to think, did I miss God? Am I doing something wrong? You know, is, is this the wrong thing? And to get distracted. But I promise you, every Every move reach forward is you're going to be met with wind and waves and circumstances, and you just got to stay focused on what God told you to do. And if you start to sink, Lord, save me and go for it. The second distraction I think that can happen, and all of these can happen to all of us, so never any shame involved in what I'm saying today. The second thing is distracted by the thorns of life. So Jesus is teaching this great concept about the seed gets sown, but it finds different kinds of soil that it'll be sown in. Some, some seed is, is stolen completely. Like you're sitting here listening today and it doesn't even set. It doesn't even catch, nothing. But then other seed, it grows up quickly, but persecution arises and the plant is gone. This is what he says about the third category. He says, uh, Mark 4, 18, others are the ones on whom seed was sown among the thorns. These are the ones who've heard the word, but the worries of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word and it becomes unfruitful choked out distracted the worries of the world can distract you the deceitfulness of riches which is not to say that all riches are wrong but it is to say you can get your eye fixed on that in a way that distracts you that you're letting money make your decisions. You're letting money guide your life. And then the desire for other things. <laughs> that covers the rest of it, right? I think this is a scary idea because this is describing a person who used to be fruitful, used to be passionate, used to be on fire for God, used to be on fire for the house of God, but now, distracted. A guy named Peter Walsh 
said this, when a room loses its purpose, clutter inevitably happens. Come on, you know, when you got a room that's for something, that's what it's for. But if you have a junk room, anybody got a junk room? Or you have a junk drawer? Because like when you have a drawer that's like, this is where the silverware goes. Well, okay, I'll put my forks and my knives and my spoons in there. I know this is, this is the purpose, this is the vision for this drawer. But then there's other drawers that get filled with all the stuff that you don't know what to do with, and clutter happens. Your house can get cluttered. Churches can get cluttered. Our lives can get cluttered. Choke out the word. Choke out the real fruitfulness. Apostle Paul wrote this idea, 1 Corinthians 9, verse 27. He, he said, I discipline my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified. He was aware that it'd be possible for him to even get up and talk about it on a regular basis, but he could get distracted. Worries of life can distract us. Deceitfulness of riches. In other words, you get blessed and then you forget why. Right? Desires for other things. And I don't know what your other things are. I know what my other things are. And you have your other things. And I'm not comparing yours to mine or mine to yours. But you got to know that there are things that can choke out passion, choke out fruitfulness, choke out what God has for your life. It's easy to get distracted by the thorns of life. The third thing that can be distracting is to be distracted by a boy or a girl. I'm coming up in your business for just a couple minutes. 2 Samuel 11, verse 1, it happened in the spring at the time when the kings go out to battle that David sent Joab and his servants with him in all Israel and they destroyed the sons of Ammon and besieged Rabbah, but David stayed at Jerusalem. When evening came, David arose from his bed, walked around on the roof of the king's house, and from the roof he saw a woman bathing, and the woman was very beautiful in appearance. So David sent and inquired about the woman, and one said, is this not Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? David sent messengers and took her. And when she came to him, he lay with her. Mm, mm, mm. <laughs> David got distracted by Bathsheba. I cannot tell you how many times I've seen people that God has begun working in their life and all of a sudden, a boy shows up. And all of a sudden, a girl shows up. God is working in their life. Then Bathsheba steps onto the scene. 
So here's the reality, right? David's out on his roof, looks down, sees a gorgeous, naked woman, and decides, I want to have sex with her. Everybody just stare straight ahead. Come on. Let me say sex is God's idea. Yay. But sex is a drive and not a need. We have a need for air. We have a need for water. We have a, we have a need for food. But sex is a drive. It's a sex drive. And a drive needs a steering wheel. (laughs) We live in a sexually charged environment. It's everywhere. And the boundaries for what's appropriate are, are continually being chipped away. And it's legitimate to want a relationship It's legitimate to even want sex. But the reality is, it's pretty easy to get distracted when that beautiful woman or that that guy shows up that says all the things you want to hear. And biblically, the only appropriate place for sex is when a man and a woman commit their lives to each other in marriage. That's it. It's a beautiful thing within the boundaries of that commitment. But outside of that, it's so easy for you, because when you have sex with somebody, your soul gets tied to them. Then all of a sudden, you can't think straight. You can't really think clearly about the idea those things they're starting to say now what they're doing and everything outside of the biblical boundary of marriage between a man and a woman is going to be outside it's easy to get distracted by sex and i'm not even going to go into this is obviously uh pornography for david David was supposed to be reaching forward. It was springtime, time for the kings to be at battle. And when you, when you start to ignore the battle you've been born for, you start to engage in a battle that you're not equipped for. Amen. And I don't care how much you love God. Your flesh can get the best of you if you give it the opportunity. So, don't get distracted by a boy or a girl. All right, I'm done with that one. Thank you. Yeah. 
And then the last thing I want to talk about today is being distracted by busyness. Luke 10, verse 38, they were traveling along, entered a village. A woman named Martha welcomed Jesus into her home. She had a sister called Mary who was seated at the Lord's feet, listening to his word. And Martha was distracted with all her preparations. She came up to Jesus and said, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the serving alone? Tell her to help a sister out. The Lord answered and said to her, Martha, Martha. Whenever Jesus says your name twice, <laughs> that's like when I was growing up and I heard Kirk Dennis Bowman, that's when I knew I was in trouble. Martha, Martha, you are worried and bothered about so many things, but only one thing is necessary, for Mary has chosen the good part, which shall not be taken away from her. Here's Martha, distracted with the to-do list, distracted with busyness. I mean, literally, Jesus is in her house, and she's distracted. And Jesus says, Mary has chosen the one thing that can't be taken away. Lots of things are important. One thing is necessary. Family time is important. Hobbies are important. Work is important. There's a lot of important things. But Jesus is giving us, I think, an absolute key is to make sure you are sitting at the feet of Jesus regularly. Here's, here's Martha. She's worried. She's distracted. And I don't know what your distractions could be. Could be social media. And you got to be honest with yourself about that. I got off social media for our 20 days. I think I might stay off for a while. TV, movies, video games. You're too busy. Your schedule's too busy. You got too much on your plate. You're worried. You're bothered about juggling everything, keeping it on. You're choked by stuff. And here's, let me put it to you this way. Literally, in terms of how you schedule your time, the priority of a day, what absolutely must happen. And I'm going to say on a daily basis, because the manna fell daily. On a daily basis, you got to find a way somehow to sit. It's the one necessary thing. There's important stuff, but there's a necessary thing. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all things you need will be added to you. You got to look at your day and say, this day becomes valuable when I have sat at the feet of Jesus. This day could be counted as a victory if I found time, excuse me, made time to sit at the feet of Jesus. And over time, and I, I make this promise to you, over time, 
This is going to give you victory in every area of your life. Because God's going to say things to you that you would have never thought before. God's going to work in your behalf in a way that you would have not imagined possible. Positioning yourself to hear a word from Jesus. You've got to look at that and go, this is absolutely necessary. You've got to figure that out. So I want to pray with you today. I want you to bow your heads and turn your eyes. You know, often the Bible gives us this instruction. Don't turn to the right or to the left. In other words, don't get distracted. Father, as we come before you today, we have to confess we are easily distracted. Help us, God, to always be reaching forward in life, to always be reaching for you. With your head bowed, your eyes closed, you might be here today and you maybe have never really surrendered your life to Jesus. I I would love to pray with you. Let's start that journey. Maybe you're here today and you could look back on a time where you used to be closer to the Lord than you are today. This would be an incredible day for you to choose to come home. Or maybe you just don't feel confident about where you stand and you say, Pastor, would you pray with me? I want to know that I know that my life is in the hands of God. Nobody's looking around, but I just want to take this moment to join with you to pray. Come on, you've never given your life to Christ. Maybe you've slipped away. Maybe you've gotten distracted. Or you feel not confident, unsure, but you want to get confident about your relationship with God. If that, any of that describes you, would you just lift your hand real high and say, that's me, Pastor, would you pray for me? God bless you. Come on, all over the room. God bless you guys. Thank you. Come on, this is, this is your moment. There's, this is a beautiful moment for you, not just saying, get your act together, just surrender to a God who loves you. Is there anybody else? Thank you for hands all over the room. Thank you, guys. Thank you. You can put your hands down now. Thank you so much. Hey, let's pray this prayer together. This is for everybody that lifted their hand, but I would would love for all of us to pray this together. Everybody say, Lord Jesus, I open my life, I open my heart to you. I need you. I want you in my world as my Lord. I know I've sinned, I come to the cross where you have paid the price for my forgiveness. Today is a fresh start and a new beginning as I surrender to Jesus. Help me become the person you created me to be. Amen. Come on, let's thank the Lord.